right, good morning, Joy Church. So great to see Oh, yeah, there we go. It's good to see you guys this morning. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great morning. I'm glad to see you guys made it, and you're here, and you're, you're healthy. Uh, last night, I was kind of concerned that this morning, like 40 to 50% of Eugene might be in the emergency room uh, recovering from heart attacks. Uh, but we pulled through. It was a good game yesterday. The Ducks win. Yeah. Mm. Taking the victory out of the hands of those demonic Huskies. Oh, Cougars. Huskies was last week. I'm still just excited about beating the Huskies because that's a little bit more exciting to me. Uh, but Cougars, thank you for the correction, man. Now you guys think I'm not a Duck fan at all. But I am, I promise, an alumni. I went there, all the games. But it was a great weekend. Um, I'm really excited to be here this morning. Obviously, Pastor Jake is not here. He's still gone. He's on vacation. Uh, he's going to be back this week, though. It's gonna, it, I'm sure he's having a great time relaxing. He really deserves it. So, uh, so they're gone. But... Because they're gone, we have a really awesome opportunity this morning uh, And as we're finishing up our trending series. How many people have been here for a few of the trending series messages? Man, it's been so good. I, I've been loving it. I've been soaking it up. I've, I've been leaning in because it's so, so good. And, and if this is your first time here for one of our trending uh, messages, we've been doing this for a little over a month. And this is the final one. And here's what we're doing in this series called Trending. What we're, what we're trying to do is we're connecting with God's timeless truth in the midst of turbulent times in which what's trending isn't necessarily what's true. Where what's trending isn't necessarily what's true, and we all can connect with that reality, right? That, that what's trending isn't really always what's true. We see it in, we see it in politics. We see it in, in news stories. We, 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 see, we, we see it on our Facebook feed. Like every interesting headline, you go to the like, second comment, and it's like, Check your facts. It's not true. This isn't what's happening, right? But what catches? Those, 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 catchy, those catchy headlines, right? So what we're, what we're going through is we're saying, hey, let's take a look at some, some trending ideas, some trending thoughts, and let's just question them a little bit. Let's just, let's just uh, take some things that maybe people aren't asking questions or enough questions about, and, and, and let's discuss it. And let's discuss it. So we're finishing up this series on trending, and, and I think this is a big topic that whether you find yourself, whether, whether you are a Christian, you've been a Christian for a long time, or, or if you are just here on a Sunday morning because uh, you stumbled in and somebody shook your hand and wouldn't stop shaking it until you sat down at your seat, uh, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know why you're here this morning, but for, for all of us here, we know that there's this, like, there's this really big idea when it comes to faith. That, is, that can kind of cause some trouble. And, and, and that is this, that there's this idea of faith versus science. Faith versus science, right? How, how, can, we, how can we take, take a, a, a scientific look? We, we have all this science, science it's provable, it's, it's observable, and then we have faith, and in, in, in at least in the media, in, uh, in a lot of people's minds, in, in the common discussion, in the, in the popular way we talk about things, a lot of times, faith and science can be enemies and buttheads, right? And so what we want to do is we want to just have a conversation. We want to open up a conversation about it. And, and, and let me tell you a disclaimer. 
uh, the, the point of this is not to tell you that you are wrong and that the people sitting up here are right or this is what you must believe in order to be a joy church or that, that this is absolute truth and, and you have to agree with us no matter what or else you're not a Christian. That's not what we're saying. This is, this, we're going to have a conversation uh, that's really meant to bring unity. That's really meant to bring unity and, and, and take some ideas where you maybe, maybe thought that somebody can't be a Christian if they believe X or I can't be a Christian because I believe X or Y and break some of that down and bring unity under this one general idea that God is the creator of the universe and he loves you deeply. All right? So, so, th- so that's what we're going to do this morning. And we have, uh, you might notice a little something different. Uh, we've got a special, I, I, I want to call him a guest, but he's not a guest. He's a, a member here at Joy Church and has been for since the beginning. Really awesome guy. So smart, so humble, so easy to talk to. Uh, you, if you were walking, or walking around and, and just happened to stumble into a conversation with this guy, you would not guess, not because he's not intelligent, but you would not guess that he's got a Ph.D. in chemistry. You would not, you would not guess that, that he's a forensic scientist for the Oregon State Police and that, that he works in this field every day because he's just so humble and easy to talk to and a great conversation. Uh, but, but I'm just so happy that we get to have uh, Justin Crossland here this morning. Justin Crossland, Ph.D., if you want to come on up here, yeah, let's hear it. Good morning. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're just going to sit down. We're going to have a conversation, and we're going we're gonna to open up this idea of faith versus science. Faith versus science. And, and, and I just want to start it off with, uh, before we get down into the nitty-gritty, uh, I, I just want to hear a little bit about you, your journey, your, your story, who you are, for people that don't know you. Sure. Um, so I'm married to my wife, Nikki. Uh, she specifically asked me not to describe her as beautiful. Um, but she is beautiful, so there you go. Um, so we've been married for, for quite a few years. We have two boys, uh, Thaddeus and Thatcher, who are here. Hi, guys. What's up? Um, so I, like Kyle said, I work as a forensic scientist, and my wife is also an optometrist. Uh, so we both have these scientific careers, and science is something that's very important in our household. Um, we, we homeschool our boys, and that's something that we teach a lot of. It's something that uh, we spend a lot of time discussing, and, and a lot of our activities are centered around um, the outdoors or something to do with the, the natural world. Um, and like Kyle said, we've, we've been attending Joy Church here since the beginning. Uh, my wife and I are currently elders here. Um, but it's been a long journey to where I'm at today. If you would ask me 20 years ago if I'd be sitting in front of you on a Sunday morning uh, giving a message, I would have I laughed at your face. I wouldn't have believed you. Um, and the reason for that is because I, I grew up in a, in a non-Christian household. I stopped short of calling it a, an atheist household just because I don't really like that word. Um, but really, religion wasn't a part of anything in our life. It wasn't something that was discussed, something that was talked about. Uh, we didn't own a Bible. There wasn't a Bible in the house. We didn't ever go to church. I think I went to church one time on an on a Easter Sunday with our grandparents. Um, and that was it, right? So religion was not something that was part of my life. But what was a part of my life was this fascination and curiosity with the natural world. Uh, my family was always blessed. We always had property, and I was always spending just the majority of my time outdoors, just getting dirty, kind of just playing in nature and exploring the world around me. And, and that fascination, um, you know, just continued to grow throughout my childhood. Most of our family activities were spent, you know, hiking or hunting or camping or fishing, uh, something that we still do. And my, and my, li- my wife is really gracious in that she continues to do that with me, uh, even though that's maybe not her favorite thing. Uh, but for me, it was. And most of the time, we, I grew up on the West Coast, but we spent a few years in Wyoming, 
which is a really awesome place if you like cold and wind. <laughs> really good for those two things. Uh, it's also really cool if you like rocks and fossils. And uh, believe you me, I was into rocks and fossils, and sadly enough, I still am <laughs> into rocks and fossils. Uh, but really, it just kind of furthered, furthered my curiosity and, and just, just this wonder and amazement of, of the natural world and how things work and why things are the way they are. So as I continued through high school, and I knew that I wanted to continue you know, gaining scientific knowledge and, and potentially pursue a career in that. So I went to college, um, got my bachelor's degree in chemistry. And again, just that fascination uh, became really interested in just basic research. So researching things and discovering things that, that potentially no one else has discovered, making molecules that no one else had discovered. Uh, that was just exciting and fascinated and brought me a lot of, a lot of joy. Um, so then, again, came to the end of my undergrad and uh, not wanting to enter the real world and have to find a job, I decided that, hey, let's keep going to school. Let's go to graduate school. Uh, <laughs> so I went to the University of Oregon and got my PhD in chemistry. Uh, go Ducks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, spent a lot of time there, again, delving into just some really fine details about, you know, one very specific subject. And it was just super exciting for me. Um, now, and finally, you know, after getting my PhD, I, I finally had to enter the real world, finally had to get a job, pay some bills. Uh, so I became a forensic scientist, and that's where I'm currently employed. Uh, so one thing you haven't heard me mention during this entire talk so far is anything about religion, and that's because it wasn't a part of my life. Uh, it wasn't really until I got into college and uh, met my then-future wife, Nikki, that I really even started to think about religion. Um, later in graduate school, I actually started attending church and actually you know, walking towards a relationship with God. Um, and so really my, my upbringing and, and the, the scientific knowledge that I had gained and just my natural skeptical nature uh, really kind of affected how I viewed Christianity and, and still how I view things today. Yeah, great. Um, cool, so, so you're saying like growing up, Christianity wasn't really part of, like part of your life or, or, or really maybe anti-Christianity might have been, or, or the idea that maybe you shouldn't be Christian or might have been part of your life. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure there were a lot of like big questions and, and, and big objections that had been like ingrained about the Christian faith. So like what, what, what were some like big questions or big objections that you had towards the Christian faith? Sure. I, I definitely had a lot of questions. Um, again, I was, I was ignorant on religion. I didn't have any, I didn't have any knowledge uh, to base anything on, on the Christian faith. I didn't have any relationships even with Christians. Uh, so really my biggest questions were just, what is it all about? What does it all mean? Um, just coming from this place of, of just pure ignorance. Uh, one of the big things for me was the, the problem of evil and suffering. And Pastor Jake did an amazing job earlier in the training series kind of discussing this topic. Uh, and for me, uh, looking at the Christian faith, the big question was, okay, if God is good, why is he allowing all the, all the stuff that happens in our world to, yeah. to happen? And so that was a huge question I had. Um, also, I just had this perception that Christianity was not based on any kind of evidence. There was no evidence supporting uh, Christianity, that faith was blind, right? It was just wishful thinking. Um, and so these were kind of the thoughts that I thought um, for, a, for a large chunk of my life. And kind of one of the biggest things, and the one that's most uh, applicable today, is that I that e I couldn't reconcile everything I knew about science, everything I learned about geology and biology and paleontology, all the all the knowledge I had amassed on those subjects didn't seem to mesh with what I heard Christians say about those things, or what I heard maybe the media say about those things. Uh, so I came to maybe this place where I thought that the two weren't compatible. And in fact, maybe you had to choose either one or the other. Maybe you couldn't be a man of faith and a man of science. 
Um, and so those were kind of some of the big, big questions and objections I had. Yeah. So then like on the, on the other side, what you're, you're a man of God now, a man of faith. What are some things that kind of drew you towards that faith? The biggest thing for me was having a personal relationship with a believer. Again, that was something that I didn't have um, up until a certain point in my life. Uh, but then in college, again, meeting Nikki, uh, that, was, that was when I really started developing a, a personal relationship with, with a Christian. Um, and we talk here at Joy Church a lot about discipleship and how that all just boils down to relationship. And I can personally vouch for that. That was, that was what changed my whole life around was, was meeting her and being able to ask her questions and hearing her point of view and, and understanding how, as, as, a, as a woman of, of science, somebody that studied a lot of science classes as well, that could have answers to certain questions and that could talk things through with me. Um, another big thing for me was reading the book Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Uh, that book is such, such an amazing book, so eloquently written, um, coming from an atheistic point of view like C.S. Lewis was and, and coming into faith that really kind of touched, touched my heart and my mind, uh, specifically his, his arguments about the, um, about the law of human nature or this moral law, this idea that humans have this, this innate right or wrong in us, and where does that come from? That really was something I had never thought about and something that really, that really struck me. Um, and then finally, just, just kind of an, a desire for hope and meaning and purpose, right? If you take a, a naturalistic point of view or an atheistic point of view, um, it, it basically, this is all there is. This is what it is. The natural world is it. And so what's, what's the meaning? What's the point of it all? And so just having a desire for, for something else, something, something beyond me and, and figuring out what the, the purpose of my life was really were some of the things that, that started to, to draw me towards faith. That's good. That's cool. So, uh, like, kind of our whole, we were, we were talking about trending, right? And the whole kind of purpose of the series has been, like, confronting the way that things are maybe seen and, and maybe uh, talked about in the world today or in culture today. And, and taking, like, maybe another, another view with them, a, a, a biblical view or, or just kind of, kind of thinking about things in a different way. So... Is there is there like currently a conflict between faith and science in in culture and media or in the two in general like actually uh, right now and what do you have to say on that? Sure, I, I would say definitely yes. There is this perceived conflict between faith and science, um, and that's why we're talking about it in a series like this. Um, I'll throw throw a little bit of statistics at you. A, a Pew Research poll in 2014 found that 59% of Americans think that religion and science are generally in conflict and only 38% think that they're most, mostly compatible. So again, almost two-thirds of Americans believe that there's this conflict between faith and science, that they're, that they're opposing forces that, that can't be reconciled and they're actually at war. Um, and this perceived conflict, it's, it's existed for hundreds of years, right? This is some, not something that's unique to this point in time. Uh, the classic examples, thinking back in the, in the history of faith versus science, is, is kind of the Galileo affair, where he was proposing this heliocentric point of view, where the Earth, instead of being fixed at the center of the universe and everything uh, evolved, or going around it, instead the Earth was actually going around the sun. And for him, this was based on scientific evidence, and other scientists at the time believed the same thing, and he was actually a Christian, and he had no problem reconciling his faith with what his scientific observations were. Um, the Catholic Church disagreed at the time, though, and they thought that this went against how they read the Bible and their beliefs up until that point in time, and they actually called it heresy to believe otherwise. 
And so again, Galileo is put on trial. Um, there's a back and forth. He refuses basically to retract his beliefs. Um, and they imprison him for the last nine years of his life. And so these days, at least in this country, uh, we're not getting imprisoned for the last year, nine years of our life. Uh, but this conflict is something that we see. Um, and it's pretty easy to see in the media. You know, news and, and websites like to highlight conflict, right? That's why we like politics. That's why we like sports. We like this conflict. Humans are drawn to it. And so the media likes to play that conflict up. Uh, one example, a little bit more recently, so the Higgs boson discovery, uh, when it was finally ex experimentally observed back in 2012, uh, most of the media websites out there didn't say that the Higgs boson was discovered. What did they call it? Anybody remember? The God particle, right? The God particle, that's what they called it. Um, that term was coined in a book in the, in the late 80s by a physicist, and the vast majority of the, the physicists in the scientific community hate that term. Uh, but the media loves it, right? It draws your attention. It, it kind of plays into this game of, of, yes, there's this conflict between the two. And the media does a great job of highlighting kind of people on both ends of the extreme, yes. right? We hear people like uh, Richard Dawkins, evolutionary biologist, who's probably one of the most outspoken uh, atheists of our time. Um, I'm sure you've heard this quote. I know uh, Pastor Jake, I think, has even said this quote before. But here Roger, Richard, Richard Dawkins says, faith is the great cop-out the great excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate the evidence. Faith is belief in spite of, even perhaps because of, the lack of evidence. Then, conversely, on the other side, uh, we hear people like the late Henry Morris, who's the, the father of the modern creationist movement. He said, when science and the Bible differ, science has obviously misinterpreted its data. So again, we hear people on both sides here saying, man, these two can't coexist. And so here we are, people in the middle, um, that we think that there's this conflict, we're being told there's this conflict, and we think that maybe the two aren't compatible. Maybe we can't have both faith and science. And that was certainly something that I thought um, early on. Um, but really the whole point of today's talk and today's message is to, is to not, um, is to, to blow that idea out of the water and to say that faith and science don't need to be in conflict. You can actually believe in God and you can actually maintain your scientific knowledge. Um, and there's many scientists and Christians out there, both in the past and in this current scientific community that, that have no issue reconciling the two. If you take a look back at the history of science, most of the important scientific, scientific discoveries of the last several hundred years were made by Christians. You look at people like Galileo, Francis Bacon, Isaac Newton, Robert Boyle, Louis Pasteur, just to name a few. These people were men of God that had, that had scientific discoveries and they had no problem reconciling the two things. Uh, moving to more current times, Francis Collins, uh, he, is the, he was the leader of the Human Genome Project back in the early 2000s, and he's currently the director of the National Institute of Health. So here's what he has to say about science and religion. The God of the Bible is also the God of the genome. He can be worshipped in the cathedral or in the laboratory. His creation is majestic, awesome, intricate, and beautiful. So again, a lot of Christians and scientists don't see this being a conflict. Um, and, and what's the reason for this? Why, why can they coexist? Uh, one of the biggest reasons they can coexist is because science um, is studying the natural world. Uh, that's what it's built for. That's the only thing it can do. It can make observations about what we see and what we can feel and what we can touch. Um, but it can't, it's never meant to answer philosophical questions like, why are we here? Why do we exist? What's the purpose? Um, Isaac Newton once said, gravity explains the motions of the planets but it cannot explain who sets the planets in motion. 
So if we look outside of that, right, what's outside? What's beyond the natural world? Well, that's where faith lives. Faith is in the supernatural world, right? Above the natural world. It's, it's beyond the scope of science. Uh, here's the, I think the Joy Church bylaws require a C.S. Lewis quote. <laughs> so here it is for today. Um, if I find myself If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. So here C.S. Lewis is pointing out the fact that all of us feel something that's that's missing and it can't be filled by that natural world. And so what is that? It's it's something else. It's something outside of that natural world. It's in the supernatural realm. It's this faith component. And so the whole point of today is just to simply point out the fact that faith and science don't have to be in conflict. They can coexist. And actually, as we'll see here in a minute, they can actually complement each other. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really good. Uh, so we're, we're we're talking about like areas where faith and science uh, maybe maybe have a conflict or tend to cause a lot of conflict. So like, can we like highlight a few a few areas where it maybe causes the most conflict? Uh, definitely, we can we can definitely highlight those. And this is where this is where it gets a little sticky, right? This is where some of you are sitting there going, "Oh, I hope he doesn't go there. I hope he doesn't say those <laughs> words." Uh, but we're going to go there, right? Um, I love being a part of Joy Church and the fact that we can have Sundays like today and mention words like I'm going to mention here in a few minutes, and uh, and everyone be okay with it, at least most of us. Um, so people generally have no problem accepting science. Um, on a daily basis, right? Some of you had a GPS to get here. Uh, some of you are currently cruising Instagram right now on, the, on your phones, not paying attention, right? Um, right? We, we take for granted those scientific discoveries. So much science went into that cell phone. It, it's, it's incredible. Um, but when science starts asking some of the bigger questions, um, it, it, again, starts to make people feel uncomfortable. And two of the biggest areas of conflict come about when we ask the following two questions. How did the universe form? And how did, you, how did humans come into existence? And so we're going we're gonna to talk about those two questions today and talk about the science behind them and, and how, how they can coexist with, with faith. So you guys ready? Yeah. Cool. Let's dig in here. Uh, so how did the universe form? Um, currently, the theory that describes how the universe was formed is called the Big Bang Theory. Uh, it's the theory that describes, again, the formation of the universe, that all the universe began from a single point or that what they call a singularity. It's really hard to wrap your head around how it actually works. Um, but based on that, it began, it started rap, uh, expanding rapidly from a finite point in time. And based on that time, we can estimate the age of the universe to be 13.8 billion years old. Uh, it's consistent with a vast amount of experimental evidence, and it's able to make predictions that have since been experimentally proved. Uh, it's been generally accepted by the scientific community since the mid to late 1960s. Uh, so we're going to throw out just some really quick stuff about the evidence for the Big Bang and, and why people believe that, that it actually is uh, legitimate. Uh, the biggest thing is the redshift that was observed by uh, Edwin Hubble in the late 1920s. So what he did is he was observing stars and noticed that the, the light was, was redshifted, uh, which to him meant that the, everything was getting further away. It was expanding. And because the universe is expanding, therefore, if we run the clock back, we can say that it must have started from a single point. Uh, the easiest way to think about redshift is to grab a, not literally grab a child, uh, but ask a child as they're coming out of the kids' class today what sound a race car makes when it goes by them. So everybody think about that. Right? So as things are coming towards you, sound waves get compressed and they go to a higher pitch. And as that car passes you and starts going away, those sound waves actually get longer. Light works the same way. As, as a light source is moving away from you, that wavelength of light actually gets elongated and it is 
move towards a longer wavelength is redshifted. So based on that observation, we now know that the, the universe had a finite starting point and a, and a finite age. Some other pieces of evidence that support the, the Big Bang Theory are the cosmic microwave background radiation that's been observed. And also, the theory was able to predict the observed abundances of certain elements that we now see in the, in the universe. Um, does the theory still have unanswered questions? Are there points of contentious debate in this theory? Yes, definitely. Um, but it's currently the best and really the only theory that fits the current, theor uh, current experimental data. So the big question you might be asking then is, does the Big Bang Theory disprove the existence of God? And at least for me, the answer is a big no, it doesn't. In fact, to me, if anything, it points more towards a creator, right? We, if you think about it, just take a step back and not, not worry about the word theory and that it's, it's coming from science. But think about it. What it's saying is that the universe came into existence at a single point in time, at a single point, and everything, everything we see, Kyle, his awesome hair, his <laughs> jean jacket, the stars, the universe, everything came out of that single point. Yeah. Now, to you, I mean, to me, doesn't that point towards the existence of a creator? At least for me, it does. Um, so again, and the other thing is the Big Bang Theory does not address why the universe came into existence. What came before the Big Bang? Uh, that's something that that theory will never be able to address. So the NASA physicist and astronomer Robert Jastrow, so a scientist here, he says the following. Astronomers now find they have painted themselves into a corner because they have proven by their own methods that the world began abruptly in an act of creation to which you can trace the seeds of every star, every planet, every living thing in this cosmos and on the earth. And they have found that all of this happened as a product of forces they cannot hope to discover. That there are what I or anyone else would call supernatural forces at work now is I think a scientifically proven fact. Yeah. So here you go, a NASA physicist basically realizing the fact that the, the reason we have this Big Bang Theory now, it shows that the, the universe had a finite starting point, and really that kind of suggests the um, existence of a creator. The other thing the Big Bang Theory does is it, uh, it exposes this idea that the universe is extremely fine-tuned. There are several physical constants that govern how the universe was, was formed and how stars coalesced and, and gravity came into existence. And if any of those um, physical constants are changed by even a fraction of a percentage, None of this exists. We don't exist. The universe doesn't exist. None of this could have happened unless those were all exactly the values they just happened to be. Now, you can chalk that up to just a pure coincidence, or you can chalk it up to something else, right? That somebody actually knew what they were doing. Uh, Stephen Hawking, I think most of you know who Stephen Hawking is, right? Uh, not a Christian, atheist. But even he said, it would be di very difficult to explain why the universe should have begun in just this way except as the act of a God who intended to create beings like us. So even Stephen Hawking is willing to, to recognize the fact that, man, the coincidence that all these constants just happen to work out in just this way to where we're here uh, is pretty amazing and, and suggests the presence of something else. Yeah. So that is the answer of, of how the universe came into existence. Now, this one, I don't think we lost anybody yet. I don't think anybody <laughs> walked out. It's kind of bright. I can't really see. Um, but now this one gets even a little bit more controversial, right? This one hits a little bit closer to home, talking about how we as humans came into existence. And obviously what I'm talking about, the word that you guys didn't want to hear today, uh, the theory of evolution by natural selection. So that's the scientific theory that describes how we and everything else got here. Um, very generally, it states that all species are related and that they were descended from common ancestors through the process of natural selection. Again, 
There's a huge amount of experimental evidence out there. Um, and there's currently no competing scientific theories. Uh, now you guys say, oh, what about creationism? What about intelligent design? Those are certainly opposing viewpoints, um, but they don't fit the, the general um, mold of a scientific theory. And that's something for a later date we can discuss or you can come talk to me about. Um, but anyway, so what's the evidence for evolution? Uh, real quickly, just super high mountain peaks here. Uh, if you look at um, an anatomy and homologous structures, right? If you look at arm bones and, and hand bones in various species, very diverse species, you can see very similar features across those species. Uh, if you look at embryo development, especially in the early stages, you can see very significant similarities between vastly different species during their embryo development. If you look at the fossil record, uh, the progression of species over time, again, going from simple forms to more complex forms. We can see series of specific species like the horse, um, John Day fossil beds over in Oregon. They find a lot of horse fossils and they can show the progression between the four-toed four, four horse and the three-toed horse coming to the modern horse. Um, so we can see this, this change in the fossil record. Um, a lot of people say, well, there's no transitional species. Uh, that is no longer the case. There's hundreds, in fact, of transitional species that have been discovered. We can actually observe microevolution in action. Uh, we see that viruses and bacteria develop drug resistance. Uh, we see that mosquitoes develop resistance to insecticides like DDT fairly quickly because of their high population turnover. Also, if you look at genetics, we know now that all life on Earth share the same genetic code, DNA, right? And we can track the relatedness of all species um, by that, that code. Um, so. Here we have this huge mountain of evidence, um, and again, I've, I've done it poor justice right here today. Um, but what does it all mean? So let me give you a quote uh, by Theodosius Dobsansky. And actually, just to get a quick side note, Theodosius was actually our third boy name on our list. So we had Thaddeus Thatcher. Theodosius was next. Unfortunately, we didn't have a third boy, so we didn't get to use it. Um, but it's a really good name. Um, so Theodosius Dubstansky, he was a Christian. He was also an evolutionary geneticist. And he said, nothing in biology makes sense except in the light of evolution. Uh-oh, okay, we're in trouble here. So does evolution still have unanswered questions? Definitely, most definitely. There's a vast number of, of unanswered questions and, and many debates going on in the scientific community about how evolution addresses certain facts or certain things that we observe. Um, one thing I hear a lot is that evolution has not been proved. That is correct. Evolution has not been proved, nor will it ever be proved. Um, did you know that you can't actually prove a scientific theory? Uh, you can disprove a scientific theory. Uh, you can remove it from the table based on experimental data, but you can never actually prove a scientific theory. What happens is so much data gets built up and the acceptance becomes so high that people generally basically just move on and start accepting it as fact. And so you can never actually prove a scientific theory. Uh, another thing I hear a lot is, well, it's just a theory. Uh, that is correct. It is just a theory, but I think people confuse the common definition of theory, like Sherlock Holmes used it. Watson, I have a theory, right? Um, that was a poor accent. I need to work on that. <laughs> Pastor Jake does a much better job with that. Anyways, it's not a hunch or just a feeling. This, that's, this is the scientific definition of a theory. This is a set of rules and laws that it describe the experimental data we've seen, and they're able actually, based on those laws, to make predictions about what we should be able to observe and what will happen in certain scenarios. Um, and so it's, it's a little different than the common meaning of theory. So now we're left here, and there's many other questions. Again, tons of questions. We don't have time to go into them all. But the big question here now is, does evolution disprove the existence for God? 
And for me, the answer is, again, a big no. It does not. Faith, for me, faith and evolution can, can, can coexist. I believe that God created all things. Um, I believe in God above. I believe that he sent his, his son, Jesus Christ, to, to die for our sins. I believe all that. But I also believe that um, the mechanism by which um, we came into existence was the theory of evolution, and that's based on the, the mountain of scientific knowledge. Um, and there's many other people who believe this. And again, you don't necessarily hear this point of view that often uh, because the media, again, likes to play up that conflict. And so people that, that have no conflict with them, what's, that doesn't make good news, right? So again, going back to uh, Theodosius here, he said, does the evolutionary doctrine clash with religious faith? It does not. It is a blunder to mistake the Holy Scriptures for elementary textbooks of astronomy, geology, biology, and anthropology. Only if symbols are construed to mean what they are not intended to mean can there arise imaginary, insoluble conflicts. Two weeks ago, Pastor Jake did an awesome job about um, reading the Bible and, and how, we, how we approach it as a, as a text. Um, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that message. It, it, was, it was really good. Um, but that kind of touches on the fact that the, the Bible was never meant as a textbook. Are there things that are scientifically accurate in it? Yes, of course. Is it historically accurate? Yes. Um, but again, it wasn't written as a textbook. So that's something to really um, to keep in mind. So for me, again, bottom line, faith and even something as controversial as evolution can coexist. Um, and my goal today was not to be controversial, was not to offend anybody uh, in the room and, and not certainly to convince anybody to, to think the way I think on this particular subject. Uh, it was simply to shine light on the fact that uh, there are people, and there's actually a large percentage of people that believe that there is no conflict between faith and science. The two can coexist. They can even complement each other. Um, when I look at all the scientific data out there and all the amazing findings and the, the diversity and complexity of life on this earth, um, I don't say, man, science is terrible and science is wrong. I think, man, what an amazing world God has created. Look at the handiwork of God yeah. in all of this. And so that's, that's the whole point is that for me, there is no conflict and that, that I see, see God shining through in all this. Yeah, that's good. One little last quick thing. Uh, what would you say to somebody with doubts or questions? I would say that's, that's great. It's okay to have doubts and questions. I think in church, a lot of us, especially in a, in a topic like science, uh, we think it's, it's maybe not okay that we can question things like this, right? Uh, so a Sunday like this is an op awesome opportunity to kind of to put it out there and say, hey, it's okay to ask questions. Um, don't be afraid that God's going to be disappointed in you or, or intimidated by your questions, right? Uh, try to look past the hype. Try to look past what the media is telling you. Um, don't, don't believe everything you hear in the media. Hopefully you don't. Um, again, they're, tr they're trying to play into that conflict when in fact there maybe isn't even a conflict in the first place. Uh, do some research. That's the biggest thing. Do some research. Look into the issue. Uh, if you have questions about this, if you have doubts, look into it. Um, and I encourage you, wherever side of this you're on, um, if you're an atheist coming into church today and thought you were seeing a, a showing of the Joker, or if you're a Christian that's been here for 30 years, um, I encourage you to look at both sides of the issue. Uh, it's amazing how you can read the other side and be like, man, that's a really good question. I never thought about that. And so it really starts to point out maybe the weaknesses in both sides of the argument. And so I encourage you to, to not only look at your point of view, because you already know what your point of view is. I encourage you to look at the other point of view and, and, and take a look. If you looked at this issue in the past, take a look again. Um, science is constantly changing. Theories are constantly changing. Um, it's very... It's a not static field, um, so things are changing. And if, if, if it's something you looked at in the, let's say, early 90s, 
the field of genetics has changed evolution, the theory of evolution so much in the last 30 years that everything is, is completely different. So, so go ahead and take a, another look. Uh, we're actually going to post some resources, just some very basic initial resources, um, kind of on various viewpoints on this, on these topics on the website. So if you want to, if you want to go to joy church, uh, you can check those out. Um, so again, I just appreciate you guys listening to me. I don't think anybody walked out in the end, so that's awesome. Thank you. But really the bottom line is that I believe personally it's, it's, you're able to believe in the existence of our heavenly father and also believe in the existence of, of the scientific data that exists there. So thank you. Wow. So can we hear it for Justin? Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks Kyle. Right, we're close up here, but man, that's, that's so good. Uh, uh, again, I just want to touch on this, and he touched on this, and I touched on it before. Uh, the point of this whole thing was in no way to tell you what way you have to believe. It was in no way to tell you even what is absolutely right and what is absolutely not right. It's simply to bring unity. It's simply to, to, to bring unity so that, so that if, you're, if you're thinking, man, if... I, I kind of want to check out this whole Jesus or Christianity thing. I like a lot of what it's about, but I can't because I believe X, or I can't because I believe Y, or or that person could never be a Christian because they believe this, and I could never be, or or I could never be a part of this group because I believe that. We want kind of want to break that whole idea down, and and, and say, uh, hey, here at Joy Church, we actually believe in in, in some freedom and some non-essential beliefs. So if if what whatever whatever you believe there's really one there's really a kind of a, a core idea that it comes down to and and, and really it's the and, and Justin touched on this is that the creator of the universe loves you deeply and and and, and he sent his son Jesus to die and, and and raise again from the dead for 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 all your mistakes and so like really that's that's the core belief what we really want to do is we want to come and bring a sense of unity and, and and say, hey, bring bring your beliefs, bring bring your ideas. We're we're, we're not going to be exclusive. We want to bring a sense of unity and, and and really open it up so that we can say, hey, you know what? Let's let's be intelligent. Let's let's be free thinkers. And let's understand the Bible and what God has to say and 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 what's and, and what's important, because really. No matter no matter what how you believe things came into existence, no matter how how you believe humanity came into existence, if you there's a, there's this awesome uh, idea that was brought about by another non-Christian philosopher, Plato, and he he said, hey, if you look back at things, you just keep tracing things back. At some point, there has to be this unmoved mover that decided to set your life in motion. The universe in motion, the earth in motion, whatever whatever complex design came after that, there had to be this creator of the universe who loves you deeply. And you say, how can he love me deeply? Do you see my mess? Do you see my world? Do you see, like, this world? And, and here's what it comes down to. There's a creator of the universe, created this world. He created us. We messed it up. I mess it up every day. I assume you mess it up every day. If you don't, come talk to me. I want to get some pointers. <laughs> but we mess it up. And being a God who, who loves us so deeply, 
he decided, hey, you know what? I still love him, so I'm going to empty the storehouse, the treasure room. I'm going to empty everything I've got out of heaven, and I'm going to send it down to earth and see if I can't fix this mess. And so he sends everything he's got. He sends, sends his son Jesus down to earth, and he says, hey, if, it, if this doesn't do it, I'm paraphrasing. If this doesn't do it, nothing will. And his son Jesus, he lives a perfect life, a life undeserving of death, a life undeserving, undeserving of darkness. To die, to pay the penalty for our mistakes, to pay the penalty for the dark thing that we try to hide from everybody else, right? To pay the price for the mistakes that we make every day. And he, and he sent the storehouse of heaven, he said, I, I I'm going to pay. He says, I'm going to pay for it. And from that, this creator of the universe who set everything in motion says, now, now you're invited into relationship with me. Now you're invited into relationship with me. Justin talked about this one thing that kind of brought about, what, that was part of what brought about his, his interest in faith. And he, and he said, I, I needed a purpose. I needed hope. I needed, I, I, I needed something. There has to be a meaning to this world. And I, and I know there's people in this room that came in here looking for hope or purpose or meaning or some, something. And maybe, maybe this is your first time in church or maybe it was supposed to be your last time in church. But you came and you said, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a shot. I'm going to give it a shot. And you, you may, maybe you even think that you just kind of stumbled in here. Right, whether it, like maybe it was an accident, you saw something on TV and there was free coffee and you decided to show up. But I, I just want to let you know that that's really not the case. You're not randomly here, because what actually happened is the Creator of the universe loved you so deeply that He wanted to make an appointment with you right here, right now, a divine appointment where He said, "No, I'm going to stop everything so that I can I can have a moment with you." so that I can reveal myself to you and so that I can invite you into relationship with me. Right? And, and I know this is the case because that's why I'm here. It's because God has given me hope and me purpose and he's given me life and he's, and, and, and he saved, and he, and he saved me from, from my past and my sins and really my future. Right? And, and, and so if you've come in here this morning and you're looking for hope and purpose and you're like, hey, maybe I want to try this Jesus thing out. I want to give it a try. I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus this morning. I just want to invite everybody to close your eyes and bow your heads. I want to have a personal moment between you and Jesus this morning. If you'd say, I, I, I want to I give this a try. I want to I follow Jesus with my life this morning. If you just want to raise your hand. That's so cool. That's so cool. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. It's the best decision you could ever make. And, and here in a second, we're going to pray. And it's not a magic prayer. It's simply some words. If you pray them to the creator of the universe, and if you mean it, if, it, if, it's, if, it's, if you mean it from your heart, it's going to change your life forever. It's a declaration. And so we're going we're to pray this, and I'm going to invite uh, all, all of you that raise your hands and, and also everybody else along with you to pray this prayer with me this morning. It goes like this. It's Jesus. I'm sorry. I messed up. Would you forgive me? Jesus, I believe you died and that you rose again for my sins. 
I believe you're the son of God. Would you help me to follow you? Would you help me to have a deeper relationship with you? And would you be with me every step of the day? In Jesus' name, amen.